Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I think that one important thing that I would really advise, especially to all the ladies out there, is stop pleasing the partner and giving up on the things that you really enjoy because after a while you start to build resentment and then you don't start to feel good about yourself and my observation watching all the tias is they live their life in a lot of regret because they sacrifice so much of their lives for their partners and there's nothing for them to show at least memories because they did not do anything for themselves so I do the best that I can to take my trips and go away just me be a tourist in the city by myself. And that's therapy for me. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. 
It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. <laughs> Don't be nervous. This is a welcome space where we invite incredible, inspiring people like you to come and share their journeys, their stories, and hopefully leave us with some inspiration because right now we are in the energy of a new year. And I feel like this is the perfect time to start talking about how we can take a more holistic approach to creating the life that we want. And for me personally, I found that the more that I work up here in the mind, the more that I get to see the fruits of what I want to bring to life because I'm coming from a place not of scarcity, but of abundance. And so I definitely want us to dive into your story of your own healing journey. Let's start off with you giving us an introduction of to who you are and what you do. My name is Jennifer Zoga. I was born and raised in Honduras and I came here as an immigrant. Fast forward, I went into a depression for seven years and it doesn't even account to the depression that I had struggled with all my life, but this time it hit really hard. So for seven years, I got married with kids and I still wasn't happy because things didn't match. So eventually to get myself out of depression, I mean, I go to a lot of therapists and I felt like a number. I felt that they were just claiming a check on me and I didn't feel the emotional connection with them at all. So I had to go on my own journey to figure out my own healing. And I realized that I felt so worthless. I hated myself so much. And thank God that I had a lot of support, people that loved me and gave me tough love. But if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would even be here in this space because the depression was so bad. It was really, really bad. And so the beginning of me, I realized, I asked myself one question and I asked, what is the one thing I'm good at at the time? Because I had already completed my bachelor's degree at Penn State and I had a corporate communications and I couldn't get a job and I was really miserable. So I answered the question and I said, well, I'm really good at loving people. And that's the message that comes across with anybody that I meet, that people feel my love. And even though I feel worthless, I'm like, this is that one thing I can hold on to. So I remember I started volunteering again at the organization that I had growing up at that helped me get into college. And so I started volunteering and I started helping kids. And I felt like a spark inside of me, especially after seeing a student who was denied help to get into college and was told to just give up. And he got into college and it made me so happy. And he was doing amazing So I realized I'm like, you know, it's time for me to go ahead and apply to work at a college. But then they required a master's degree. So I said to myself, screw it. I'm going to go ahead and do this. So I applied for a master's program and I got in and I was surprised because I didn't have to pay for it. (laughs) And I went into this program thinking it's just a higher education program, but it ended up being a counseling program. So I ended up with a master's of science in counseling education. 
And I did a lots of counseling during that program. So I am a trained counselor, but I identify now as a mindset coach. So that is the beginning of all of it. And during that program, I had to do a lots of healing. I had to pretty much counsel myself and to have to face myself and all my demons was definitely one of the worst times, but it helped me begin my healing and it helped me establish healthier relationships with the people that I loved and it helped me set boundaries. Fast forward, I established my business as a mindset coach during COVID in 2020. It's been really rewarding. That's an incredible journey. And I can't wait to dive into the different aspects of what you talked about because it's not very common for people in our community as Latinas to A, talk about mental health, B, admit that they have mental health issues, and then C, get help for them, right? Because there's so much stigma and judgment in our culture that the only people that need therapy son los locos, right? Let's go back into your adolescence because you mentioned that you've been battling with depression for pretty much the entirety of your life. Can you pinpoint when it started and what the origin is? And how did you know it was even depression? Like, how did you know to put that word on it? So when I came to the United States, I was nine, turning 10. But in Honduras, I was thriving. I was extremely loved in the classroom setting. And we were raised in a very strong community in our school because I went to a Catholic school in Honduras. So it was first, second, and third. And they taught us that even though we didn't like each other, that we had to support each other. We had to be loving towards each other. So it was a very supportive, loving environment. So when I came here, my dad, talking about Scarcity, he moved us to one of the worst neighborhoods in Philadelphia. Our rent there was $380 a month, and it was a huge townhome with four bedrooms. Everything was a huge yard, but it was in a war zone. And so we weren't allowed out. I joke about this, but I felt like an Anne Frank, but the Latina Anne Frank, just looking out the window, seeing some of the kids playing, but also seeing moms and sons fighting with knives and bricks. And I was just so confused where in the world we were. And there was an extreme sadness because as we know, we need community. We need physical touch. And I had lost all of it. And in school, I didn't speak the language. The kids that did speak the language, they made fun of my accent and I got bullied. I got my hair ripped out. I got gum. I mean, it was a constant battle from the third grade. Oh my God, I get emotional thinking about it. But from third grade all the way to eighth grade. So you are finding yourself in this completely different environment that is not what you were used to growing up. You feel unsafe. How does that start to manifest itself as you get older? So you mentioned that this journey to healing was really catalyzed by the decision of becoming a mom, becoming a wife, kind of following that traditional checklist of life that we're supposed to aspire to as women. But then you found yourself completely unsatisfied with that. So all those childhood, not feeling like I fit in. I mean, eventually I got to marry one of my closest friends in high school because I craved that connection. I wanted to be able to say, look, I grew up with this person and we know each other for an entire life. But, you know, as a Latina, our parents always strive to make sure you go for the job that makes money. And I'm in the arts and I'm back to the arts. So I was chasing that job that made the money and it took me away from the things that really filled my heart, which was creativity. And creativity is manifested in so many different ways through talking. This is creativity. This is the arts. But 
So I thought, okay, I'm being bullied. I'm going to be the best version of myself. My mom's like, you have to be above all of them. So I go to college. I start checking off the list. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I get a good husband. We get a house. We have healthy kids. But then I didn't have the career and I didn't have the job and I didn't have the money and I didn't have the body. And next thing you know, everything just starts to collapse because I'm like, well, what, what happened to me? I was meant for greatness. I was doing amazing because regardless of all that bullying that happened through all those years, high school was definitely a great time, but I was a straight A student and I was almost a perfectionist because I was really hard on myself. And sometimes we set really unrealistic, high, high, high bar for ourselves. And when we don't reach those goals, especially at a young age, we feel like we failed. And then we walk around. I walked around feeling like I was a failure. Even in my marriage, I felt like a failure. And even after I gained all that weight, I felt like a failure. But wait, in the movies, the wife looks good, just like the husband looks good. And I look horrible. I went from 135 to 220 pounds and I felt like Shrek and I wanted to hide. And it's crazy because it might be vanity, but it also is society has set up all these standards in a certain order of the way you attain things and what you should have. And I didn't have those things. So that just led me to just feel horrible and depressed. And I really spent seven years of my life just feeling really depressed. Plus, I ate unhealthy, too. So I would spend a lot of time crying in the bathroom. And, and it was bad, suicidal depression, bad. And like you said, my dad would be like, therapy is para los locos. Está, está en tu mente. It's all in your mind. You have to learn to control it. And I would just sit there and stare at myself in the mirror. And I just could not bear the sight of me. I really hated every part of me. That's real. And I don't think enough of us know how to even verbalize those things that we're feeling. So just the fact that you're putting it out there and you're inviting folks to honestly reflect on your life, not how do you think you should feel? How do you actually feel? Right? Because externally, I'm sure people saw you look at you, your mom, your wife, you got your college degree, you should be happy, but exactly nobody's external desires for what your life should look like are going to replace the actual needs and wants that you have that you don't feel like are being currently fulfilled. So when you come to this realization that I am not happy, I am borderline suicidal, I cannot continue to live like this, what is the first action that you take? Because I think part of the thing that's scary about addressing mental health is the fact that you actually have to confront the shit that's going on in your head. You can't run away from it anymore. And sometimes that process can be worse than what you're currently experiencing because it becomes familiar after a while. Seven years of depression is that's just who I'm meant to be. And it's true. Another thing that doesn't make it any better is the way we're portrayed in social media and in movies. We're not portrayed in this beautiful, empowering light. And so you're trying to navigate and see who can you admire, who can you look up to and see if there's any hope. But I think that the beginning for me, and I'm very firm on this, is reprogramming the mind. I did a lot of affirmations and people think I was crazy, but I would be playing affirmations for a full year. And I think that also the beginning of it was when my husband said to me, I'm not responsible for trying to make you happy. You have to find your own happiness. And I remember being angry. I'm like, who the fuck does he think he is telling me? But he had a point. And so I made a list. I made a list of all the things that I ever wanted to do in my life. 
and all the things that I found fun in my childhood in my adolescence and college, I made a list of all those things. I've tried it all. I got rollerblades and started rollerblading at nighttime with the little lights and I felt like a kid. So it's really important to reconnect. So I did that while I was playing affirmations. I played affirmations every single day for a full year. Every night I would keep the headphones on. Sometimes I would just leave it on blast because I'm like, I think my husband needs these affirmations too. I also started to list off all the things that I was scared of because over time you get really paranoid, paranoid of the way people are looking at you. And so I avoided social gatherings at all costs. I would make an excuse. I'm like, my child is sick, so I can't come. My child has a high fever. I can't come. I would find any excuse and it's because I didn't want anybody to see me, but I started to list okay what are all my fears and I need to start tackling them and I need to be in environments that are very uncomfortable I went in order I revisited childhood hobbies like rollerblading then I went into adolescent I like singing so I started singing a lot at home and dancing playing those YouTube videos I started to follow social media pages here because social media is not so bad if you use it for a good intention I follow you for a while, so I'm so honored to be in this space. But it's just so beautiful to see other women fighting for themselves, showing up for themselves, and that following the pages of women that are doing amazing things for the community, that also inspired me and it gave me hope. I did cleansing, not just at home, but with social media to remove any toxicity. If it included fighting or just negativity, I blocked it. If anything comes on through my newsfeed, I report it. I'm like, nope, can't see it. I stopped watching the news because some of us that are struggling with depression, we feel pain in our hearts at a really greater depth. And so I didn't want to have to carry the pain of the world anymore because it really affected me. So that made a huge impact in my life and just watching happy news. And watching things like there's also social media pages of people doing really good deeds in other countries. And that used to fill my heart. It would make me cry. But I have to go back to affirmations. Reprogramming the mind made a huge difference. I know for a fact that getting myself in uncomfortable settings, I was mad awkward. And I remember I wanted to join some conference just to sit and I didn't even go say hi to the person who gave me the tickets. I feel so ungrateful. I'm like, what an ungrateful bitch I am. <laughs> I was too scared to say hi to her, but I made it there. And so that's all that mattered to me. So you mentioned also that you had your experience with your therapist and you found it to be almost just very clinical, not really intended to heal. So could you talk more about that? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Throughout my life, I did attempted suicide. So when I would see these therapists, they would always start off, okay, what's your name? And I'm like, don't you have my files? And then it would be like, well, why did you try to kill yourself? And I would be completely just blocked. I'm like, this is awkward. Don't you want to get to know me? Don't you want to warm me up? 
It's almost like no loop here. <laughs> None of that. It was straight up. Why did you want to kill yourself? And I did not know how to answer that question. I didn't even feel comfortable because we weren't even there yet. I want to say that there are some really great therapists that really create, that really care about their clients, but there are some others. And I guess the God plays all these situations because I had to figure out my own journey. How else can I share this journey with all the many women that are out there struggling, or maybe they are too avoiding that therapy. But I see a therapist now. I have a spiritual coach. That's my therapist. I see her at least once a month. And if I don't see her, I start losing my mind and I'm crying. I'm like, I need to see you, but I need to see her because how can we not continue doing the healing? Because every time, and this is crazy, and I don't know if you can relate, but every time you heal from one thing, two or three more things come up. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just did all this work. What's happening? Did we regress here? And it's normal. The struggle is real. So tell me about how you navigate these feelings that I have found come up for a lot of people when they start healing. There's almost a sense of guilt or selfishness because it requires you to really start setting boundaries so that you start avoiding the things that maybe were triggering you or were just putting you in the bad headspace. So for this boundaries, it's extremely crucial. And I share this a lot that we go out of our way to show up for everybody else, but we have forgotten to show up for us. We do whatever it takes. We cancel plans, whatever it takes to be at somebody's event. And we could be tired as hell and we still show up. And I started to flip that. And I started to tell myself I'm unavailable for them because I have to be available for me. And if I'm not available for me, I'm not good for anyone else. Not for my kids, not for my husband, not for my mother, who I feel like I'm her mindset coach every single day. So boundaries is really important. So what I started doing is looking at a calendar and I started to block out dates. And whenever people would say, hey, I have this event going on, I would say, oh, I'm unavailable on that date. And the thing is that at the beginning, it's really hard because people expect an explanation, but I realized it's none of their business. And I don't have to tell people what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And that's been a growing and learning process because I grew up in a family that has no boundaries. It doesn't matter if so-and-so did whatever they did, they're still coming to the party. And I'm like, but why? Boundaries has been really essential and blocking that time. And what am I doing with that time? I'm extremely intentional with my time. I started reading books more. I know that I'm like pretty extra. But I don't even watch TV if it's not something that I'm going to learn from. I don't watch anything that has to do with stabbing because I'm trying to continue my healing. And for some of us, we're extremely sensitive to all of that energy. I'm a huge believer on energy, so I don't need that energy. So I watch comedies. I'm subscribed to some channel called Gaia on Prime. I only watch anything that helps me grow, evolve the mind, the soul spiritually, but none of that killing stuff. I can't do it anymore. Scary, demonic. It's not allowed to be played in my house. I will never understand people who love scary movies, psycho thrillers. I think being an empath, I absorb way too much of that. Oh my God. If you're an empath, <laughs> all of those things really take a toll. Absolutely. So I'm wondering also how you navigate potential judgment or criticism from people that you love when you do decide to choose yourself, because it can sometimes feel like you're abandoning them 
for yourself, especially if you're used to having the type of family that just wants to be all up in your business and is very generous with the guilt trips. I have lots of stories for that. I'm still dealing with it right now. I think I've been able to set a schedule. Setting a schedule has been huge for me. So from 9 to 2 p.m., it's all about me and my job. After 3, because I get that break for myself to eat, from 3 to 7 is all about family. So my kids if my parents, they're really huge. Sometimes they come over and I'm like, I have a schedule. So you can join me with the kids. I'm going to the playground. And they're like, no, we came to see you. And I'm like, well, you can come and join me because I'm so busy. I don't want to take that time away from the kids. And they're also important. I always think I'm like, when I get old, they better be taking care of me. So I need to put in the time. (laughs) So that's been a huge struggle, but it's gotten so much better telling them this is my schedule. And with my parents, because they are the toughest critics, they are so hard. I know my dad, he still doesn't understand what I do because he doesn't believe in the mental health. He's like, you don't really work. Two weeks ago, we had a serious talk. And I said, I think that this needs to stop because it's a form of disrespect. And you're constantly saying that I need to go get a job. And I'm like, I have a job. I pay the bills. The bills don't get paid by themselves. I know that you might not deem it as a job because you don't see me sweating. You don't see me getting dirty or my hands, but I would love for you to have some sort of respect and not mention for me to go get a job when I have one. And it was awkward because my dad's 80. So we have this huge gap. My mom is 60. My dad's 80. So it's two different generations. Mm-hmm. And he's old school, old school. And he just felt disrespected. But I felt disrespected too. And I said it in the most loving way. And he sat there and he stood in silence. Then he started scrolling through his phone on social media. And then he looked at me and they pretend like I never said anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the classic, let's sweep shit under the rug and pretend like this never happened. And I had to just reiterate, it's really important to reiterate. And I said that I love you, but it's important that you respect what I do. That's powerful. And to be able to stand up for yourself like that is a skill set that I think people need to understand. The first time you really start advocating for yourself is going to feel terrible. It's going to feel, I never want to do this again because everybody's going to hate me and everybody's going to say I'm not bitch and blah, blah, blah. But it's not like choosing yourself is never the wrong decision. They make us feel guilty for showing up for ourselves. Even the other ways that I show up for myself, I take girl trips and I'm gone for four days, five days tops. And my mom's like, wow, eso no está bien, mommy. No, mm-mm. my dad's like, no está bien. Está descuidando al esposo. I'm like, what? First of all, we are co-parenting. He's not helping me. Let's just get that straight. He's also a dad. Thank God that we have established that I wouldn't even be in this space. We have established that it's healthy for us to do things on our own and for me to take my girl trip so that I can come back and be the best wife, the best mom for the kids. And it's worked for us. So I get to take these girl trips. I think that one important thing that I would really advise, especially to all the ladies out there, is stop pleasing the partner and giving up on the things that you really enjoy. Because after a while, you start to build resentment. And then you don't start to feel good about yourself. And my observation watching all the tias is they live their life in a lot of regret because they sacrifice so much of their lives for their partners. And there's nothing for them to show, at least memories, because they did not do anything for themselves. So I do the best that I can to take my trips and go away. Just me, be a tourist in the city by myself. 
And that's therapy for me. That's so true. And you're right. I have watched the older women in my family give up their entire lives for their partners and their children. And then they both leave. The partner dies, the children move away, and you have literally no identity. You don't even know who you are. You don't know what to do. My mom, she's truly been a dedicated, amazing wife. And I honor her so much, but I see her. She gave up everything that she loved. And she is in that stage where she's trying to figure out who she is. It breaks my heart. And another thing that I've had to learn is that we cannot save everybody, that they also have to do their part. And the only thing that we could do is just love them, be there when they need us, but we cannot heal them. We cannot save them. They have to figure it out because if not, we're not doing them any favor. That's so true. I'm curious, as someone who now shows up online in a public way, talks about your mental health, has your family ever said, why are you putting your business out there? Because they could start to interpret that your mental health issues are their fault. And somehow you're putting the family business out there, blah, blah, blah. How do you navigate that? That was something that was mentioned. And even with our siblings, we had those conversations and I have an explanation for them. Unhealed parents, unhealed grandmoms, they don't know any better. So it's not their fault. And I'm pretty sure that there's still unhealed parts of me that I might create some sort of trauma in my kids. It might be something minimal that when they grow up, they're going to be like, because of my mom. And I'm okay with that because I realized that my parents did the best that they can, but there was areas that they fell short and they didn't know any better. So I put my business out there. My dad gets mad. He tells me, he's like, why would you say that? And I'm like that, but that's the truth. And then he tells me, no, you're making that up. I'm like that. It's my story. It's my perception. And that's the thing. We create our own stories. And that's what's important to revisit our childhood stories, to really recreate those stories as adults, to be able to break them down and process them. But we talk all the time and I have to tell them, look, these are the traumas. You didn't per se cause them because you wanted to hurt me. You did the best that you can. But there's a lot of things that hurt me and I have to heal from them. I don't hold you responsible for any of that. I really don't. And so I had to tell him that because there was a lot of hurt there. It's not a split second decision that you make to start putting yourself out there and letting yourself be vulnerable and open to criticism and judgment. And especially from the people that we love. And I think the thing that's hardest for them to navigate is just they have this idea of who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be. And when you start to challenge that, it just fucks with their mind. They don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> who are you? I want the old version of you back who was the strong silent type, but that was actually what was killing you. Yeah. And it feels good to speak the truth too, because Nowadays, we can't escape social media. Like we all have to live through social media. We see a lot of perfectionism. Nobody talks about their imperfections. And so it's really hard for somebody who's trying to heal to compare themselves to somebody who looks perfect. So my job is to show the imperfect side of me that I still make mistakes, that I still have my moments of, I even share when I'm in a funk, I'm in a funk now. And I'm navigating on my own way, but I have to keep it real because then people are going to think there's something wrong with me. I'm not normal, but no, we all are going through it right now with the holidays and just coming out. There's this funk and it's part of the seasons, winter season. And what are the plants and the animals doing? They're all resting. They're all hibernating. 
they're doing absolutely nothing. And so we are supposed to go according to the seasons. We're supposed to be resting. So right now, I'm getting a lot of judgment because I'm doing the bare minimum with my social media right now and at home and with the family. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's called resting. Albert Einstein created the best things from resting, from taking breaks. Freaking God took a break. We don't know if it was a year break. We don't know how long that was, but I'm going to take that break. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I love that mindset. All right. So tell us how you work with your clients as a mindset coach to start shifting what's going on in their lives and help them reclaim their power. One of the important things for me when I first meet with my clients is to give them a lot of unconditional positive regard, a lots of love, because a lot of us feel unseen, unheard, and unloved. That's my gift, right? So when somebody comes in, I create a space of love. It's very unorthodox. I share a lot of my sad stories, which is true. I share a lot of the things that I'm fucking up at so that I can create this space that, oh, she's normal. Okay, so I can open up too. And I can share some of the things that I do at home. And so that creates this sense of trust because personally, I start to think, what do I need? I need lots of love. I need to be seen. And then we start talking about what have they accomplished in their lifetime. And it's insane because people, even stay-at-home moms or just stay-at-home women, I get all ages, grandmoms that are still single, and I get all of it. And we start to go down the list. The first question that I ask is, where were you last year? What were you doing with your life? And that one question, it reveals a lot. It creates this light bulb in their head. There was this one client that she felt horrible. She felt worthless. And then I asked her, where were you last year around this time? I was homeless. She's like, I had to live at a parent's house. And I'm like, well, what are you doing now? And then she said, I'm in an apartment now. And then she took a moment of silence. And then she realized, holy cow, I made it. I have my own space. I have my apartment. I have a job. And last year I was homeless and I had to live with my parents and get money. And so that kind of helps to build up that persona, right? And remind them of how powerful they are. It takes a long time and it takes a lot of strength and courage to fight back. And I start to remind them, I start to speak affirmations into them as well to uplift them. And the most important thing is just remind them of how much they've accomplished in life. How much do they do for others and how beautiful and what a gift and how blessed those people are to have them in their lives. So many of us are just really wanting to be seen and we don't necessarily have friends and family who are equipped with the skill set in order to create an environment where that is actually possible. And so that's why I love the work that you and so many incredible coaches in our community as Latinas are doing. We're really working to create spaces of healing. And I know that folks are going to want to find out so much more about you, what you're up to, how they can connect with you. So please tell us everywhere that we can find you. (laughs) I have two social medias. I have at Jennifer Zoga, which is my full name. And my website is embracebyjennifer.com. On there, I launched my bracelets, which are my affirmation bracelets. And those are really huge on affirmations. I think that that's what helped me learn to love myself. And I also host events on there and classes. 
And I'm constantly updating and putting new events and workshops on there for my queens. And it's so much fun. I love it. Jennifer, thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you for your vulnerability here. I have found time and time again that when we lean into that, we actually give other people permission to start reflecting on their own journeys and where they're at, and it invites healing. So thank you for what you do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, Sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of The Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer